and we yeah and we and we learn every person has so much to give and to offer when you just treat them with respect and 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 just allow for allow them to express who they are what they want openly without them having to think that they 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 have to um give you talking points in order to be accepted or 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 to be in the in, in the right side of of history or the, the the you know the the right moral position um i hate donald trump really <laughs> that's not what the rap, rap, rap lyric said when he wasn't president right yeah, well yeah. getting in a fight over who he voted for that's what the last three years have been very testing on everybody a lot of it seems like theater yeah but and, and exactly be, yeah being pro or anti shouldn't be the way that you define yourself again like i was saying separating the public political arena and conversations that people have and and that they perform right so like the entertainment and then your private realm where you know like this this and this doesn't really at the end of the day have to affect me in the way that they are making it seem that it does i mean you know public policy does affect you downstream and 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 ultimately does have impacts but how much of what trump did is different than what biden is doing now or continue to do how different was bill clinton from um George Bush and Obama. It's just like a, a sort of parade of people creating policies and, and 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 a political context that is contested, but contested to a very small minority of people that you know benefit. And 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 at the margins, we the little people sometimes you know gain or 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 don't gain. But if we focus on on that without trying to live our lives and create our lives and build relationships and build ourselves, then it's not going to matter. Absolutely. One of the craziest things that happened over the last couple of years is how people, whether you like Trump or you hate Trump, I don't know why you would hate Trump and then love somebody else. Okay, this guy is bad, but this guy is great. The fact that people felt so good about getting you to hate someone else, another human being, when everybody's against something, that's when I look at, I'm like, well, when do they usually push something that's good for you? Now, we all know that you're drinking water. Water's good for you. When has someone said, oh, drink water? <laughs> no, you know it's good for you. But they say drink flavored water because it's a brand. So it gets you to thinking, all right, well, Trump is a person that a lot of people love. Trump is a person that a lot of people, maybe if you were doing business against him back in the 80s, you didn't like. But the things that you were saying that were bothering you about this man when he was president, it wasn't an issue when you were looking up to him. So that's where yeah. the disingenuous comes. Oh, I can't talk to you anymore. I can't. Oh. When I was watching that, I knew people who control. I yeah, but they stopped talking to family members. Yeah, I want to support something that you said, which is like in hip hop in the eighties, nineties, like Trump used to get name dropped all the time as this sort of like epitome of figure to be one to yeah. be like him. One of my, my favorite videos was the "On Our Own" by Bobby Brown, and he's coming <laughs> out of a building and he looks up. About sure. Brown dancing on his building. But now, if you want to, you got to be quiet. So you have to tell, do you want a truthful society? Do you want me to lie? Like, if you're actually your girlfriend. And we also got to understand that the, the 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 sort of campaign that Donald Trump was running was created in a way that they knew would would be controversial. The rhetoric was incendiary, but they were doing all of this by design. It wasn't something that uh, if if he decided to do something differently, that he wouldn't he wouldn't be opposed to doing different things in order to win. Right. So politicians just follow a particular 
uh, a game plan because they've decided through research, through Cambridge Analytica, through and you know the Democrats do it too. That there are certain things that they're going to play up because they think that's going to get a particular base to vote for them and win. They're just going. They 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 literally just want to win. They're narcissists, all of them, right? Politicians that want to win, and then. There are machines behind them, right? Like the 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 lobbyists, the 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 bureaucrats, the technocrats, the public policy wonks. They all work together to then do the things that the government does, right? But the person in the front is just basically a puppet. They're just the face of a campaign that has been studied and implemented in order to get a particular group of influential, powerful people to have the levers of power for those four years. But okay. Trump is just the front face. Uh, Bernie Sanders is just the front face. Obama, uh, Hillary, and none of these people are people that we should look up to because if you are a politician and you get to that level, it demonstrates, be you know, you, you, you are open to being sold. If you're going to bring somebody down like they were doing with Trump, and I hate to, because I sound like his lawyer right now, but I just don't like when people pick somebody, selectively select somebody. This is a person we're going to hate altogether because I forgot what song it was. It was an alternative song. When they knock somebody down, you have to look who they ascend. Now, if you're going to keep the rage for somebody who, personally, I didn't know a lot about his life. I didn't read his book, The Art of the Deal, and he had another book and a TV show. You tell any, look over here and hate. Someone can control your hate. They can control most of the things that you yeah, do. Be mad over here. Yeah, over yeah, the yeah. last couple of years, yeah. snap, be mad over here. Jump over here. Because you look like this, you got to jump. Be angry over here. Oh, somebody got angry and, and, and shot somebody who looks like you. Be mad over here. But they never question. Next generation is being sold for rap lyrics, destructive lyrics, drug lyrics, for promiscuous, provocative dancing. And that's never said, you know what? We should hate that. With the same kind of vigor, with the same kind of rancor that they do for a politician, a man who's 70-something years old. If anything, I think more young people should run for office because we know how to talk about it. But we don't put ourselves out there because we don't think we'll get anywhere because it's all BS. I mean, even if they give you just a free parking spot, being mayor of Philadelphia, <laughs> not fix anything. But if you have to, your focus on here. Don't look at this, look at this. For a few years there, they had signs that said, racist free zone. A lot of neighbors had signs that say Black Lives Matter, racist free zones, free this country that has yellow and blue flags. And I'm okay. I'm a good person because they didn't want to rock them through their window. They wanted you to think that they're good people. But don't trust us because we have this. Trust us because we have this, this skin mm -hmm. color. But don't trust them. They have another skin color. I mean, the same skin color, but they think differently. And in the 80s, it wasn't like that. If you look at the movie, they made fun of everybody. I'm not saying I want to go back, but I'm saying people got a little too tense. People got humorless. See, one of the things I realized today... I played basketball with four people and we all came from different places and different economic backgrounds. One, that's the one good thing that sports is able to do. It takes people who don't necessarily share a background and put them together. We're going to fight this thing called inequality. You have to be able to play with that person and then realize, you know how many people went to university and like, yeah, I'm playing football with who? This guy who looks like this? I'm playing football with him. And then you'll be like, wow, we got a lot in common. Hey, he's all right. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the battle, even if you fight, by the time that fight is over, we're friends. And you have to think about why don't people want us to be friends, even if you share the same color? Why? We but this is not bad. Mm -hmm. who's, who's this? Who's this? Uh, sexy red, right? Sexy red is a new female rapper that Ice, Ice Spice just leaked the uh, just leaked the uh, uh, Sex tape on Instagram. 
yesterday. And that's what the kids are seeing. We had to, in the 80s, we had to wait until midnight to see that. And we didn't even see anything. We just scrambled on the TV. You had to go like this. You had to go like this to see it or get the (laughs) decoder that nobody owned to unscramble certain pay-per-view channels, watch wrestling events and things like that. But you take away this and you replace with what? What you want to see. So now when you approach somebody in the street, you approach them how you expect they should act instead of them as an individual. I'm sure people, you know, how many times don't you step into a taxi or an Uber? Rap station, black guy, rap station, even if it's four in the morning. <laughs> they don't ever say, you know what, have you read this book? You can program somebody out of success. Yeah, and 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 it seems like what you're saying is we, we, we've made a lot of shibboleths, like uh, signals and, and, and symbols of membership into a particular tribe or group. And if you don't give us that sign, we're going to completely ignore you and think of you as an enemy. Instead of yeah. allowing every single individual the opportunity to prove themselves as someone that could be trusted or someone that you could just have a conversation with, even if ultimately you are completely different. Even if they are a Republican from Tennessee, you should have the fortitude in your own commitments and principles and ideas to allow them the platform and the ability to express themselves and not even perhaps even have a conversation about politics. It could just be like, hey, man, what do you what do you enjoy? Like, where are you from? Like, what, what what's your life like? What was your childhood like? How have you grown as a person? Have you how, how have you grown as a woman? What have been some changes? Why do you mm-hmm. still uh, 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 believe in this particular person or in this particular thing? And then go to sleep peacefully, mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. that that's okay. People are going to be different. I don't have to try to impose what I think is correct thought. What you believe in, yes. You ever look at the C-SPAN when they take votes? All the Republicans vote one way, all the Republicans vote the other. Like, what is that? Yeah. In an honest place, there'll be some place in the middle. Next question. Are you re- religious? Religious in the things that are important for me to keep my life going. Uh, my experience with religion started from all small, you know, they take you to church. And that's basic question. I mean, basic answer a lot of people give. You know, when I was small, I was raised this, I was raised that. And I just knew that, I just knew the idea of God. And I was following what my parents, or my mother, and the people living in the household believed, which was always in church. We had Bibles everywhere. We had fans, abanicos everywhere from church and the hymnals, tambourines that we weren't allowed to play because they were only supposed to make the Lord's music. But you have an idea of it, you don't know what it is. So you give it an idea, you give it a voice, you give it, God to me means this, God to me sounds like this. And it means that you're able to close your eyes, you're able to pray. And my earliest experience with prayer, I think there was a girl who I liked in first grade <laughs> class. I think it was, please, Jenny please like me back. Yes, <laughs> yes. When I come home today to my grandmother's house and in her bedroom, I want for her to be there. And what we would have done, what? We would have played cards with off cards and we would have had bubble gum and that kind of thing. But you know, in first grade, what do you want? But that's, and when I when I got home, I really thought she was gonna be there. But I realized God is not a magician. It's not for you to do parlor tricks and all kinds of, hey, look, I'm God. You know, regardless of what you heard in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar the musical. That's what, you know, you think of some kind of magician or, you know, you see your parents, ay Dios, ay Dios, ay Dios, God bless you, man. And then you start going to church, which is another whole experience, right? You, you go to church and then you realize, well, these people profess to follow this, but they don't exactly act it out when you're here. So I realized you don't need church to have God in your life. And there was a time where I was like, you know, I don't believe in any of this. I would have debates similar to this one in college on our Friday nights about religion. This guy I used to call the evangelist, and I was fighting the other side. And he was telling me, no, no, I don't. 
I always thought he liked men, but he swore he didn't. And then I saw a picture after we graduated and he was dressed in a dress, but he, was, he had that conflict going on. Then I would say I was not religious, but if you ask me today, do I believe in God? Yes. If you ask me what it is, is that connection that we have inside of us with whatever created everything that puts you where it needs to be put. So what you, and when we say what we need to say, when we say it without fear and without uh, hesitation, because I believe it's like Stockton to Malone. He gives you the assist, but you got to dunk it or the other way around. But <laughs> you have to yeah, be able to, yeah. to discipline yourself. I think it's in discipline. I think it's in silence. I think it's in uh, nature. I think it's in not saying things because it's shocking or cool, but because it's what needs to be said. I think it's in humbling yourself, not necessarily to the world, because the only way you show, I believe, God is by doing your best, putting yourself out there and taking the arrows, the good and the bad, waking up a little earlier, maybe walking a little faster, just showing that, you know what, you are his creation or whatever it is. But I'm going to say his because in my mind, God looks like me, not black and tall with a beard, but, <laughs> you know, gender wise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and I could be totally wrong. That's the beauty of this. I could be totally wrong. But when I get up and I'm disciplined, well, I can do something now. One of the things that I do throughout the day is do push-ups. No matter where I am, I write it down the number. Because as we wait for things to happen or you're working towards things to happen, you realize we can always take action mm -hmm. and not wait for this. I've spoken to a lot of people about doing interviews just like this, Larry. And a lot of times they'll give you excuses as to why they don't start. One of my things that I've talked about a lot of times, start. Wherever you are, start. Work with what you have. Don't worry about, oh, I need this, I need that. Oh, man, I'm looking for this. I mean, I'm looking to start. Doesn't matter if you don't have things you think you need. You, hello, there are people who were born with a lot less and they're doing a lot more because they believe they just started to put that foot in front of the other. But a relationship with that, do I believe in God? Yes. And when I took God into seeing him everywhere is when I believe, right, well, I don't have to let everything in. The world could do whatever it wants. But what you do is totally between you and the time that you were allowed on this earth, whatever time that is. Are you uh, doing anything towards self-improvement? Yes, the the, the push-ups have been a big change. I, I did, a, I gave myself a couple of months ago a thousand push-up challenge because I oh, thought wow. that's probably the hardest thing I could do in a day and it took me eight hours. And I broke them down into sets of 20 and first 40, then 30, then 25. And by the time I finished, I couldn't feel my arms, but I was just at maybe uh, 11 <laughs> every time because I could just couldn't feel anything. But I was did it. I even did an extra one. And I uploaded it. And of course, what do people say when you're over there? Oh, he didn't go all the way down to the floor. And all you can do is, you know what? That person didn't even do one. Yeah. A thousand is a lot, bro. My thing is art. That's how you show people. If you do believe in God, you want to show people there is a God, let them see your example. Anything beyond physical improvement? It seems like contemplation and meditation are components of, of, of your self-improvement, or or am I completely wrong about that? No, you, you're right. You're right, you're right in, the, in that aspect. I try to keep it. I think if you're not careful, you forget how you got this far and you're able to uh, if, if i'm able to the only reason i do the push-ups is because strong body strong mind and that little bit of hope and seeing that you're ch small changes in your body so all we really need as humans and that's why they try to distract us from it mm -hmm. so i you know why do you wake up so early oh i could never do that 
you realize, well, if I don't, then the thing that you don't get done is because you didn't get a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said the way, best way to uh, determine what kind of day you're going to have tomorrow is to plan it the day before. So Friday night comes, I have my clothes ready, like a little bit of coffee in the morning. So when I wake up, I like to go. I don't like to be held back by whatever, you know, you Mm-hmm. If you spend the you could start scrolling at eight and not finish by ten. Then the weekend's here and like, oh, oh, I'm back to work again. But you realize you have a lot of things you can do. I upped the amount of videos that I put out. I look, wow, the last time I updated was that. I'm like, no, because I work in photography, so I'm working on balance. If I do too much photography, I like to balance it out with making videos. If I do too much videos, I like to balance it out with playing guitar and playing music. If I do that, then I have to balance it out with writing or reading, which I have to do more of. And uh, during the Renaissance period and period of enlightenment, that's something that every man pretty much they took it upon themselves to be the most well-rounded person they can be. Yeah. Something that we're getting away from. I stopped watching football on Sundays. I, it's something that was taking up a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's something you know I. Don't necessarily pick up every call because the only time that we're living that you have to, if someone demands your attention right away, you have to give it and or else they get upset. But the closer you get to yourself, the closer you get to your body being better, you get closer to this thing that's called God. And it's not an invention. It's just, I see it in the small changes. I see in the big changes. A lot of the videos I made has been against companies that are really not good companies. And I've gone down to the companies and I've spoken about my experience with the companies. And I'm trying to get away from those videos because, they, believe it or not, they get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really put me in a good place. But I, education is very important to me. Naturally, I like to research things, as you do. So I want to make a video. I like to talk about what I learned. And we're living in a time that, especially you've seen the last two and a half years, that uh, jobs are not certain. So whatever you do as a side hustle, you have to treat it as is your main business, in a way. So, I, you know, you might hear from her and she'll be like, hey, come to bed. Come to bed. What are you doing? But when God speaks to you, it might be at four in the morning. It might be while I'm hanging out with somebody. I'm mean, why are you leaving this party? No, I, I can't do it. It's something that for you is optional. For me, is an obligation for whatever reason. Maybe because my grandmother came here from Cuba at the age that she did. And I'm the offspring of her and my mother. And the opportunities that they had were a lot less than what I have. And I don't want to let anybody down, but I don't want to let myself down. Self-improvement. That's something that I've 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 come to appreciate just getting up early uh, and working out and just having the rest of your day to do as much as possible. Because again, like I was saying before, when I was drinking, when I was partying, when I just didn't when I just didn't feel comfortable and content. You want to sleep because you don't want to have to wake up and confront the reality of your life as it as it currently is. But now I'm in a good place. I wake up early. I have my coffee. Like my mom, every time, you know, she she knows or I call her or whatever early. And she's like, who is this person? Calling me like, so early. Right. Because I, I, I was notorious for sleeping in. Like that's that was my thing, sleeping. And so it's 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 been a, a great process to just start getting up early and, and being healthy and just having the energy to be able to, to do things, to think, to be present, to engage. So yeah, I think that's a, a good advice for, for, for people to follow. Any any big regrets in life so far? If anything, I would say, I had to think about this. I knew you were going to ask this question. So I thought about it. And I if I have any, I got no regrets. I got no, no I'm growing and growing. <laughs> no, um, I would say I didn't try to reach out to my father more while he was living. So in a way, there's someone who 
has your DNA, who had your DNA out there in the world, and you just uh, helped make you, but you didn't ever get to spend a lot of time with him. I just, when I had a job in, at a telephone company, I could look up all the records. That's the first time I found his phone number. He was living in Georgia, Atlanta, and I called him. I asked him for a picture. He sent me, he said, oh, I don't, I don't take pictures. I don't have pictures. So, but I, I do believe that you have an idea of what he, he could have been going through. And I just didn't know enough about his life. I didn't ask, uh, I mean, I've asked a lot of questions, but because of a lot of things. And I, I think this is something that a lot of, probably a lot of men go through when they get divorced. I don't know how it was back then, but they're scared of being put on child support and that ruining their whole life. So child support is something that I know it's necessary. You need to support a family, but sometimes it doesn't do that. And it scares people away. I don't think anybody has a good time going to the hospital or court Just or living be- back with your mother after you already moved out because you don't have enough money and your paycheck looks like whatever. Yeah, it, tend- it tends yeah. to be, uh, I think, financially really difficult for many people where it, where it feels punitive. Last three yeah. questions. Oh, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I, I think if you, there's an age difference between my mother and him. Okay. He was older. So... She was. Okay. So okay. And I'm thinking if I have a son of uh, 24 years old, then another one about 25, 26. And, you know, during, he didn't, he wasn't working. He wasn't. How, how old is he? When he, at that time? Yeah. When he had when my he, brother, he was older than me. He must have been around 24. And your mom was how old? I'm going to say about 27. She, but she had just got here from Cuba. Was, and, your, was your dad Cuban as well or? No, he was. Uh, Black American, but his father was born in Curacao. Okay. And his father comes from a long... He has a big family. He had 18 children, which, you know, for that was a time that was... Uh, hear people tell it, oh, he was a ladies' man. Oh, you, know, <laughs> you know, the dumb things that people say when they want to keep a cycle going. So by the time he was born, I don't think he was very, very stable. I think like many of us, uh, you know, we have a lot of questions and we don't have a lot of answers for it. Yeah. And I see it in kids. I see it in people who join gangs. I see it in grown men. And it always, in a way, think about, all right, well, I didn't get that. I see other kids with it, but you look for it in other ways. In a way, you're free in a way that you can look for a father in a book you read. A main character here. Main character, you can have many fathers. That's what I look at. I have many fathers, just not the one that uh, had shared my DNA. Uh, last three questions. My my mm-hmm. my three favorites. You trying to put me out? You trying to put me? You trying? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not. This is this, this is probably the longest podcast uh, I've. I've, I've ever done. Maybe, you trying to say I talk too much? May, maybe, maybe the maybe the one with my brother and the one with my you know uh, really good friend Ty uh, are, are have been around the same time. What's your favorite book? I have two. The one that inspired me to travel and open my mind to different things. It usually comes around in the time of a early breakup, right? They meant a lot to you. Mm-hmm. Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist. He has a lot of great books, but then the um, Pilgrimage. That's uh, that's another one that I'm like, I got to I gotta see the world. You know, there's a scene where protagonist is climbing a waterfall and, and get everybody in that country's doing it and getting to the top and looking from the bottom. Like, I can't do it. Give the audience a little bit of, of what's um, incredible about those two books. I've always been a person who liked the lyrics over a dope beat. So the way he creates language and the way that he works with language is in a way that I can understand and it reaches me. And I like that it reaches me. Even the music I listen to, I'm like, wow, that reached me. The way he said that, that was real to life. If I was directing and making a movie out of this book, I couldn't move past the scene until 
it was translatable to somebody like this would actually happen in life. And Alchemist, he has a, there's a scene where he meets a girl and he thinks, I've never met someone who gets me like this. And he, he puts all his eggs in this basket and he realizes, oh, then something changes and starts changing. And it's him growing. It's not because the person was bad or anything. Just him growing and realizing I was just removed from the reality of the world kind of thing. Oh, he's, he's a... You know, it looks kind of look like Billy Joel. But <laughs> he <that> was... does, yeah. <laughs> after the eighties, after the eighties, not <laughs> uh, a, a but... more calm, peaceful sort of yeah, uh, reflective yeah. Billy Joel. Favorite movie? That's a big question, man. I'm a big movie watcher. Uh, I'm, I'm, also... I'm a big movie watcher as well. I don't think we've ever had any big discussions around movies, but yeah, love movies. You, you give me. Clint Eastwood got me through a lot of things. Uh, I'm I'm very partial to a lot of his, uh, not necessarily the ones that everybody like, the good, the bad, and the ugly trilogy, Getty Westerns, but there's a movie called High Plains Drifter. It talks about courage and it talks about how, you know, sometimes you have to be reborn to get your point across. And people are like, have you been here before kind of thing? And so it's a, it's a good movie for that. Um, Out of Africa, another great one, especially if you value independence and that relationship between Robert Redford and the main character. And I went to Kenya also. That okay. takes place in Kenya. The relationship where he says, uh, you have no idea what those words mean to me. When she's like, I could never make you mine. Why is your freedom more important than mine? He's like, you don't have no idea what those words do to me. And uh, when he says he's going to leave and she's like, I won't be here when you get back. I won't have it. I won't allow it, she says. Saw the movies, saw the other day. Current favorite is uh, Rumblefish with Mickey Rourke. Amazing actor, messed up his face. Black and white, which took place in the 80s. And man, he gave the performance of his life. Uh, Legends of the Fall, also another powerful movie. Very underrated. I, there's a perfect movie, I think it's probably that. Which one? Uh, Say it again, Legends of, Legends the of Legends the of the Fall. Fall. What year? Perfect time of year to watch it. Perfect time of year to watch uh, it. And who? Should have won an Oscar. What actors and uh, what year did this come out? Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in it from Silence of the Lambs, and also uh, uh, Brad Pitt. If any movie you should have won an Oscar for, it probably should have been that one. Legends of the Fall. Un- Unforgiven. Legend of Fall. Unforgiven. Clint Eastwood. Forgiven. Yeah, Other. I thought you were. I thought you would mention that when you were saying that you know Clint Eastwood was really important to you. Yeah, Mickey Rourke in Rumblefish. Better than Rumble Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes, because in The Wrestler, he's making a comeback. You get to see his acting chops in Rumblefish. He's playing with Matt Dillon. And Matt Dillon you know Matt Dillon? Yeah. Where he plays his brother. And you see Nicolas Cage who's in the movie. But the only reason he's in the movie is because his father, you know, directed the movie. Francis Ford Coppola is his dad. But it's Nicolas Cage when it's really Nicolas Coppola. He, uh, Mickey Rourke knocked it out. His character really spoke yeah. to me. And, oh, and my favorite of all time, one over the cuckoo's nest. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot about society. Says I, too much about like seventies you know, Hollywood, seventies serious movies. I mean, th- those 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 hit really hard in terms of just critiques, in terms of just this gritty, dark, like the yeah. the, the the initial sort of like acceptance of, of American pessimism, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I like seventies movies a lot. I, oh, I really yeah. Five easy pieces with Jack Nicholson to love relationships. Doesn't give a damn about how he's being perceived. Excellent movies. He'll say himself that was his favorite movie. Sometimes I feel like movies. There's a lot to sift through to find the gems and the and the really good ones because there's so much garbage too. 
Um, and so this is good that you mentioned so many good movies because some of them I haven't watched and and so, and it's because like well is it one of the top Francis Ford Coppola movies I'll probably just you know try to do the top three based on critics mm -hmm. and popular opinion etc. So it's good to hear you know what is it called like the B sides sometimes you know like the 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 less popular ones and try to to reach out. And, and and experience those movies and rumblefish also black and white the whole movie yeah it, even though it's made in 93 that's what i'm saying i'm like yeah 83 excuse me yeah but of course the action apocalypto is big shout, shout know, out to uh, uh carly uh hightower previous guest that was her favorite movie so yeah oh yeah oh okay uh, and then what's your favorite album Ooh, come on now you're gonna go from music you 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 said you like uh lyrics over the good beats too many. I, it's all the lyrical people. So it's go ahead. No, but try to tell me those albums that, like, you, you know, you, you really, 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 really love and that you have a, a, a hard time not. Get out of here. You're not serious, are you? Uh, I am. But Blood on the Tracks, Bob Dylan. All right, when he's going through the breakup with his, his wife, Sarah Lawrence, every lyric on that, you could tell he was feeling like he was going through it. And he's a lyrical savant, right? So he put it all into that album. Even his son said, wow, I really got to see what my parents were going through before mm -hmm. I was born when they got divorced. Which you, it's funny because if you hear it now, it's still relatable. So as far as lyrics, Bob Dylan, he's one of the best. Morrissey is very underrated as a person who writes. He was with the Smiths, and I pretty much everything that he has, I collect. And not all his songs are going to be hits or great like that, but the way he says things and the way he connects with what it actually means to go through something that is very dear to you or very close is like, wow, I wish I would have written that. And he had a song called I Know It's Over, and man, that's oof. But as far as contemporary uh, music and things like that, uh, I mean, you so don't you have to. You don't. You don't have to come contemporary. You could stay in 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 whatever era you want. But go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. That's cool. If to put you in the mood, just be there. And sometimes you could just ride. You want to go driving at night and just putting this on. Last thing is just you and the wheel and cigarettes after sex. Seen them in concert three times, and uh, I mean, it, it's an experience. I, I don't. What genre are they? I've never heard of them. If they would have. They rock. But if you have to put a genre, it would. And I'm not, I know they probably would hate this. It'll be like uh, mood, mood rock or something like that. It's a song when you're lying down with someone and it's playing. It's like, is he talking about one person or a lot of people he's gone out with? <laughs> he, he has a he, he has a lyric in a song that called Touch. Talks about somebody leading him on. Just when the song is getting to its top, it just goes off. I think at the three minute and 15 second mark. And he starts talking about him being in the shower. And realizing the person he's with really doesn't care for him. And he's making believe she's sleeping while he's in the shower uh, trying to come to terms with this is the closest he's ever going to get to this thing called love. And it's like a movie. It's like a Ingmar Bergman movie film mm -hmm. put to uh, music. music. And that's what I see. And even when I see a lot of the video recreations they do with it, they use a lot of clips from his movies in it. Because if you're watching it in color, person perform, but you can only hear it in black and white. Do you do you have any Spotify playlists? I actually have never made a Spotify playlist. Do you, do you have any music. like online do you have any like online playlists that, that you have? Like I I have this really good friend too. His name is uh, David and yeah. had always had this conversation about getting me into quote unquote white music is because I don't <laughs> I, I know no I'm I'm being serious. I only know Latin music. You into that corny right what no, no, no. like I, I, I know 
Colombian Vallenato music. I know salsa. And then I know like the popular things when I was growing up. Like Cumbia? A little bit of that too. Yeah. But so I know that. I know hip hop and R&B, like that 90s popular artist. swing. And even like un- underground, but you know. It's only so much in a genre. And so me and him would always have these conversations about like, yo, there are so many classics and great music, but because I didn't grow up around, you know, white people and, you know, my parents, English. And then as I grew up, you're, you, you're exposed to hip hop, you know, being in New York, being, you know, being in, 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 in Queens, whatever. So he was supposed to be creating this playlist for me. And I, you know, I moved back to Philly. He was in the Bay Area. And so it, it never happened. So that's why I asked you if you have a playlist. So I can, so no, I can, like uh, 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 my playlist, I can the, the beauty of non hip hop and non Latin music. Sir, I have a playlist on my iPod Classic. I still have one of those. And I have about... I got a Zoom. Zoom? Okay. Zoom, Mm -hmm. right? Go ahead. Sorry. But I have about 10 different albums. I'm 10 different genres. I have rock, 60s, 70s, 50s, Spanish, up music for the gym, mood music, uh, all lyrical, black, and then black. Black is more the hip hop. Black is R and B. I always one of the hobbies I have is just filling each one of them up because if, Spanish. I don't think anybody, as far as emotive and lyrics, Luis Iglesias. Again, you asked me once. Uh, you know, oh, I could tell you grew up like with older people or your mother playing it in the background. As a kid, I didn't get it. I didn't like it. As an adult, I'm like, oh my god. Rocio Durcal, Isabel Pantoja, those 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 artists. I mean, yeah, it's beautiful. And the way we consume music too now, right? It's not like it was. You know, now the biggest sellers, biggest selling Latin artist is Bad Bunny, which doesn't make sense because the way that people buy music now is a lot different. You go by views, you go by you know, yeah. plays on Spotify, and so to 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 wrap up, would tell me one last album that you need to mention as one of your all time favorites because I feel like you had a lot more. Bone Thugs and Harmony, Bone Thugs and Harmony, East 1999. I don't think there's a bad track on that album. And too bad Easy didn't get to see it come out because he died too soon. That was all high school, all college for me. Yeah, yeah. that's a that's that's a great album. From, where are they from? Yeah, Cle- yeah, yeah. Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Not in, uh, Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that, that's the one that you want to wrap up with that album. The one that I forgot to mention because that's uh, you know that's what yeah. got you through a lot of riding the subway. Yeah. Right? You know, being able to get it through. Get through school, you know, and that's uh, they introduced a genre of rap that now it's beginning or already began to take shape, but they were doing it back then. So it was bone, roughness, thugs, more roughness, and harmony. They were, you know, singing with the. See, when I went to Woodstock in '99, I realized I missed a lot of music, and just like you, I was a lot of music I didn't get to experience live. But I could imagine trying to see Ted Nugent in his prime because he still looked like he was in his prime when I saw him. I think it was last year came to Philadelphia and he's recorded as to one of the lo- loudest concerts in, in uh, recorded history by decibels. And when he gets behind the guitar, it doesn't matter what he's saying politically. He just knows how to rock a stadium and he's just born to be wild. For that. And he can yeah. play in his sleep. Jimmy uh, Hendrix. I mean, it's too many, man. It's too many. Come on. Put him in a spot here. It's been, it's been great talking to you. Long, but nourishing conversation. Appreciate you. I will see you on, on Tuesday. Um, and look forward to, to, uh, you know, our conversations at work. Peace. <laughs>